Open your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1. Here we go. We're continuing on in this letter from Peter. If you're joining us from home, open up your Bibles to this wonderful letter that Peter has been writing uh, both to his readers in the midst of some challenging circumstances and to us. And a thought struck me this past week that I think relates to where Peter's taking us this morning in 1, verse 14 to 16, and it's this idea that you are what you eat. Does that sound like a familiar idea? So recently there was a guy who was driving across the country and brought back a very vivid symbol of what this is in my life. Does this mean anything to anybody? Is that, does that look familiar? An In-N-Out shirt, that's it, the West Coast burger. I remember in college, that double-double and fries, animal style, was, was near and dear to my heart, and it also uh, became what I was. That, that freshman 15 became a very real thing in my life. Uh, but now I've transferred over to, I think, the, uh, the Midwest version of In-N-Out, Culver's. And I think Culver's, is this okay to say, is better than In-N-Out? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> so I, I think I've been converted to Culver's. But this idea that you are what you eat feels relevant to where Peter's taking us this morning. And this idea that you actually become what you crave. That what you focus on and what you're attuned to actually begins to pervade your life. And so he's going to talk about a very familiar idea of holiness... But rather than being one of sin management and to simply follow a list of rules of being holy, I think Peter actually has this fresh idea of what it means to become what you crave. So here's the text this morning, and I'll read the big idea, and then we will jump in together this morning. So therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And so what it seems to me is, even more so right now, we live as sojourners and exiles. Peter's writing to elect exiles in his letter. Even now, even more, we live as sojourners and exiles whose pattern of life is defined in heaven, not by a cultural tide. And what Peter has for us this morning as he talks about holiness, from my vantage point, is an inevitable and critical component that flows out of the Christian life. So if you're new to Jesus... This idea of life with Jesus isn't just a one-and-done experience, but it actually becomes a pattern of life. And if you've been with Jesus now for the 10,000th time, the journey continues till the day we die or He calls us home. And now more than ever, this pattern of holiness is not reflected by a cultural tide, but rather becomes this necessary and inevitable component of the Christian life. So pray with me as we try and navigate what Peter is calling us to this morning. God, you're so good. We want to hear these words, be holy as you are holy, not as sin management and and a list of things to accomplish, but rather in a fresh way here about your holiness and how it gets reflected in our life. And now more than ever in 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 a world that is increasingly, increasingly trying to figure out who you are A needy and watching world is looking on. May we hear from you this morning what a life of holiness looks like. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. So in your bulletin, you're going to see two ideas that we're going to try and tackle this morning. Ricky, what are they? A reason for your holiness and a pattern for your holiness. Welcome back, by the way. It's good to see you. We're going to try and tackle those two ideas. That as sojourners and exiles, not actually patterning our life after a cultural tide, rather having our lifestyle pattern in heaven, we live. And he's going to give us the reason for our holiness 
and the pattern of our holiness. So first, here's where he goes. I think Peter, he's just told us, set your hope fully. He's telling us to have an emotion, and now he's going to tell us, be holy. But we don't want to hear that just as legalistic jargon. Rather, I think he's got something better for us. And he starts with the reason for our holiness. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope. How? He told us last week, by not, by not being numbed by the circumstances around us and preparing our minds for action. Now he's going to tell us, be holy. So as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Do not be conformed by the passions of your former ignorance. Here's what it feels like to me. When when I hear those words, this is what it seems like he's saying. And and I want to give you a little window into, when when it says the old view of Christianity, don't read that as something that happened prior and now there's this new fresh Christianity. Hear that as my experience, as I experienced Christianity. And then when we talk about the new view, I don't think that's anything new. It was just new to me. But he says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What's he saying? What's he describing there? Here's what it seems like. At least this is the way I view Christianity. That that on one end, there are the passions of your former ignorance. That's your joy. The things in this life that just make you happy. The former ignorance. Whether that's money, sex, or power. Those feel like the big three in my mind. Where, where I lived, uh, that materialistic heart that just said, I want to I accumulate and I want to gather stuff. Or defined by sex. Man, that's a great thing. If you've never experienced it in the confines of marriage, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, and that felt like the former ignorance. That there's this, there's this culture of sexual uh, desire and, and that's something that you find joy in. Or third, power, accumulating some kind of prestige or recognition. And that's the stuff that in your former ignorance you needed to give up. And my old view of Christianity said, and then I need to go be holy. And that life of holiness is no fun. <laughs> and it, it's, it's this idea of you got to abstain till marriage and you got to give up sex. And then you got to give up power. You just got to be weak and timid. And that's what it means to be holy. And that old view of Christianity, that was just giving up fun. And this is what he says. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That's how it made sense to me. You have all these things in life that you want, and then be holy means giving up all that stuff where there's no joy to be had. But then he says this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Why does he package that phrase following do not be conformed by the former passions? Instead, he says, but he who called you is holy, be holy. And what it seems like is we jump over We jump over the he who called you is holy and we immediately go to the action, the pattern, the conduct, be holy. But I think he's got something very beautiful in there of he who called you is holy. Because this God we serve, we believe in, is so holy outside and separate. And when we often use separate, we maybe stop there. What I mean by holy separate is he is transcendent. There is a transcendence to his holiness. That this God is completely other. And and so this view of I'm giving up my joy to follow God instead actually becomes there is unbelievable joy to be had and experience the holiness of God. And I just want to look at a few texts that I think we see that reality come to bear. You guys know of a guy named Moses? So Moses, the guy that, that uh, led some guys out of slavery out of Egypt, he says this in Exodus, Exodus 33. 
And Moses had some pretty radical experiences, right? Moses saw the Red Sea part. It's it kind of a big deal. Right, Ricky? It's kind of a big deal. I mean, some radical stuff, some plagues, some pretty massive, massive stuff. And yet, what is he craving here? I think he wants to experience the fullness of God. And how does he, how does he actually say he's going to experience that? What's he say? He wants to see God's face. Here's what he says. Verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For a man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will pass, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. That there is something holy about who God is. That he says, and while my glory passes, while the display of my holiness walks by you, you can't see me because it is going to overwhelm you. There's another guy named Isaiah who tells us a little bit about this experience. And I'm just going to read part of his verse, uh, of, of his vision, where he's seeing these angelic beings hide themselves in front of God's holiness. Above him stood the seraphim, this massive angelic being. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew, and one called to the other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Is that a typo? That he wrote, he just meant to write holiness once, but then the other two, some scribe jotting down some ideas? No, the idea of writing that word three times is to show unbelievable emphasis at what is taking place. This holiness of God that ought to blow us away and we become what we crave. He begins this by saying, as he is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Does the mystery of God's holiness frighten you or comfort you? For these guys, it seemed to produce a little bit of fear and frighten that they are in the presence of this holy God, even as angelic beings. Back to, back to Moses. One more? You got time for one more? <laughs> oh, that one was just for me, I guess. I didn't use it first service, so here we go. All right. Moses, one more time. Exodus 3, he says this. He's standing and he's walking around and he sees a burning bush. And you go, well, just another day in Oregon, right? Just another day in Fitchburg. Oh, there's a burning bush. Something you see every day. Not quite. This is wild. Here's what Moses says. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now what made the ground holy? God's presence. Otherwise it's just dirt in a bush. But God's presence now has made that space Holy, completely set apart, transcendent because of God's presence being there. This God, when he says the holiness of God, he begins to describe the reason for our holiness. That we are so blown away. So I wonder for you guys, is there a time in your life where you remember being confronted by the holiness of God? Peter, I think, has something to tell us as he was confronted in that way. So, the reason for our holiness, this God is so transcendent, holy other, then propels us into reading about the pattern of our holiness.
because God is so holy other? I mean, can you guys think of that moment where you were confronted by God's holiness? Has that happened? Sometimes what happens, again, in my, in my background of growing up in this Christian church, you're not often confronted by the holiness of God, right? You just hear these stories. There's a burning bush. <laughs> Moses had to hide his face because God walked in front of him. We just hear these stories and go, ah, I've been there. Read that in Sunday school. Peter's actually trying to challenge us with the way we ought to live, that we pattern our life off of heaven because we are so blown away by this holiness of God. As his children, then, we express this pattern of holiness. It no longer becomes a litany and checklist of things we need to do, but rather becomes an expression of our lives. Here's what he says. So as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The catalyst, the reason for our holiness is what? Because of just how holy he is. And so it shifts. Rather than just having a list of rules to follow, this becomes a lifestyle in our everyday experience. That holiness becomes this lifestyle every moment of every day. And he gives us two ways. He gives us two ideas that are packaged in what that pattern of holiness looks like. And for me, it's helpful to see it in extremes. And so here's the first one he gives us, right? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, be holy in all your conduct. So the first pattern of holiness he gives us is this. You guys ready for it? Stinking love this stuff. I mean, here's the crazy part to me. And you guys hear me say this all the time. Life with Jesus is the goal, right? That's all it is. Life with Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Then the question becomes, how do I get more Jesus? How's that happen? I mean, I could read the latest Francis Chan book. Hear me say, I think he's a good author. I love Tim Keller. He's got some good stuff. What would it actually look like to believe we're hearing from God through these very words? And then if we actually can understand these words, it's going to change the way we live. I mean, that fascinates me. That this book is more than just a book. These are the very words of God that we anchor our lives in. And now more than ever, we want to pattern our lives off of these ideas. And so, the first one he says, be holy in all your conduct. What's that mean? Feels like to me, extremes, it means don't compartmentalize your life into religious categories. So sometimes, every once in a while, someone, someone may say, hey, Pastor David, how you doing? What it feels like to me is, is there's this different category of ministry jobs and other jobs that are just kind of a little lesser. And you got ministry jobs that are like pastors and missionaries. And then you got lesser things like business or nursing or education. I think what he's saying when he says, be holy in all your conduct, is we, we stop compartmentalizing the very things we do into these different secular or religious categories. And if this feels maybe archaic and that's not as true anymore, feels like then we divide them into the helping people jobs and the not helping people jobs, like nonprofits, those are just a little bit better, aren't they? Ending trafficking, social worker, first responders, nurses, there's just a little extra, extra value in those, isn't there? But the lesser jobs, politics, law, accounting. <laughs> Love you, Liz. So I, I go, but what's he actually saying? Be holy in all your conduct? One expression of that holiness is actually believing it's not about what you do, what makes it holy. It wasn't the bush or the dirt that was actually holy. What made it holy? God's presence in that space. So where you go, whatever job you have, what actually makes it holy is the fact that the pattern of your life is reflecting the holiness of God in what you do. That all work is good as a reflection of your faith. 
And that's just one. Be holy in all your conduct. And then he gives kind of the other side of it. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So, one, be holy in all your conduct, in all of life, Monday to Saturday, not just on Sundays or religious activities, but rather as a reflection of wherever you go, the presence of God is going with you, in and through you. And then second, we are to be holy by not, he says, conforming to our former passions. So what did I get right about my old view of Christianity? That there was intended to be a difference in the way we live. I just misconstrued on the placement of that difference. But there is intended to be a difference in the way we live if we truly believe Jesus is who He said He is and we pattern our life after Him. So, formerly, there was the joy of this life on one side and I had to give up my joy to pursue being holy. I think Peter is challenging us. Instead, there's just an increase of our joy in Jesus as we keep pursuing Him and a life of holiness. And so in those same three categories, here's how, here's how it makes sense to me. That actually, if we do have Jesus, there is nothing better than Him. That's actually the essence of faith. Not just a checkbox of some intellectual assent, but actually believing there is joy in Jesus. And then, within the confines of the way God designed life to work, sex becomes this beautiful expression of worship. But as we live out that idea, that pattern of holiness, we're confronted by a culture that says, David, that's hate speech to ever talk about life outside of two genders. David, if you're limiting life to two genders, David, you're you're communicating hate speech in the very essence of my pattern of holiness. Or third, instead of weakness, the pattern of holiness becomes this beautiful expression of gentleness and meekness. That instead of being filled with anger, I don't have to have the last word believing there is a God who will get the last word. That in moments... I can, I can come in with a sense of serving and meekness rather than bringing justice, believing that there is a God who will bring justice ultimately. And so as I pursue this pattern of holiness, it gets reflected in my everyday circumstance, Monday to Saturday. So here's some takeaways. Before we hear from one of our... Uh, communities around here called the Honduran Orphanage, Orphan Partnership. We, we want to express this pattern of holiness both locally and in the way we partner with communities globally. And so I want to speak to a few of the ways we can express this pattern of holiness locally, and then I want you guys to hear from our Honduran Orphan Partnership team about ways we experience this pattern of holiness globally. So, locally, we long for Christ-likeness. Every moment of every day, there's this freedom to believe there's more joy in Jesus. Is that freeing to believe? Devastating when you actually look at how far you are from that reality. When I begin assessing my life... <laughs> I'm confronted by my limitations on how far I am from that reality in experiencing what it means to truly pursue more of Christ's likeness. And so, here's our conviction. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, we think there's no better time than now to say, Jesus, there's more joy in you, and as a reflection of that, we want to get baptized. And so we have a few baptisms on December 6th. And those that are continuing the journey, till the day I die or he calls me home, here's what I'm banking on. I'm depending on the power of his spirit and his word in this day-to-day -day reality of life. And when I don't experience as fully that Christ-likeness as I want, 
I think there's a, a longing for spiritual maturity. I think there's a longing for wholeness. I think there's a longing for heaven. And when we don't experience that, what is that? I grieve that, I, uh, that I'm still, <laughs> still battling in this day-to-day journey. And in this journey, though, are we doing that alone? Rhetorical question, thank you guys. No. The hope is I find an honest community to anchor that journey in where I'm loved and I get to express love, where I get to be accepted and give acceptance. So around here, one of the ways we do that is through life groups, where we get to journey together with a few other families all across our southern Wisconsin towards that objective of pursuing the reason for our holiness and then pattering our life after His holiness. And then there's some metrics that I use in my life that help me in this journey of pattern, in this pattern of holiness, in the way I spend my time, in the way I allocate my talents. You could argue, eh, pretty minimal, Dave. And the way we allocate our treasure. And so my encouragement as you assess where you spend your time, treasure, and talents, you would reflect not as a checklist, but it would increasingly become as the reason for our holiness, there's a pattern of our holiness that gets expressed. That's for us locally, and I love that we get to partner. So Jill, would you come up? I love that we get to partner with other communities that are trying to do that same thing where they're trying to pattern their life of holiness because they believe God is holy. And so I'd love to hear just a little bit of what God's doing with HOP and how we've, how we've partnered with them over the years and what it might look like for us to join even now in what they're doing. Thanks, David. So here at Hillcrest, as you know, um, we desire to be Jesus both locally and globally. And that's how the Hunter and Orphan Partnership began um, to give everyone here at Hillcrest an opportunity to engage in global transformation, in particular as a response to God's heart for orphaned and vulnerable children. And so in 2014, uh, Hillcrest began a partnership with a ministry in Siguatepeque, Honduras called La Providencia. Children come into La Providencia um, into the community after being abandoned or otherwise losing their families. La Providencia is not an orphanage, it is family. Um, It's husbands and wives who love Jesus and welcome orphans into their home um, on the La Providencia campus to raise and hopefully adopt these children. La Providencia is these guys. It's Adis and Patty, it's Orlando and Elsie, and it's Mario and Beatrice. And these are their children. Now, think for a moment about the children in your life. What do they need? They need parents. They need spiritual transformation um, and formation. They need to know that their identity is in Christ. They need clothing and shelter nutrition, medical, and emotional care. And so that's what children get at La Providencia. They get a family. Um, They get an education because there's a school there at La Providencia where all these children get to attend, um, as well as about 200 kids from uh, the area in their community. Um, There's also a medical clinic there, so they're having their, um, their teeth cleaned by Denise and, um, and medical teams that come and take care of them. Uh, and so this is a special place. It's a holistic approach to orphan care in Honduras. And it's restoring children to families and also to God. And God has given us the privilege to partner with our friends in Honduras. Um, and I use 
the word friendship um, very intentionally because that's what we have built there is friendships. Um, about 50 of you have gotten to go and visit and be a part of um, building relationships with the families there. And um, during our really about seven trips that we've taken. And Lord willing, we'll get to go again after COVID's all over. Um, we had planned to go in May, and, um, and that was canceled. Lord um, has other plans, so hopefully we'll get to go again, and some of you will get to build those relationships. And this is a place, as David was talking about God's presence, um, this is a place where you feel God's presence there. One of our values at Hillcrest is generous relationships, and that is something that the Hondurans do so well. Um, so we have a relational connection there, um, building relationships versus projects, and um, we do that through our ongoing visits and ongoing correspondence. We have a spiritual connection through prayer requests and um, uh, mutual encouragement and edification of one another, and we have a financial connection through our family sponsorship model. And we're going to hear from the team in just a few minutes about some of those connection pieces. Um, but first, I want to, you to see a video, um, because you're going to get to see the campus a little bit and the faces that are there. Now, Mario and Beatrice um, are some of the most godly relational people that I know. They crave Jesus, and um, I have personally learned so much from them about generosity and hospitality and joy in Jesus. Um, so let's hear from Mario as he shares about how God has transformed his heart and his home. Bueno, tengo una esposa maravillosa. Casamos este muy jóvenes. Todo matrimonio espera cuando se case conocer sus hijos, pero no, te, no podíamos tener hijos con mi, mi esposa, ¿verdad? Tuve que esperar 12 años para poder este lograr tener mi primer hijo. Y desde esa vez cambió todo nuestro panorama. Y es ahí donde empezó a hacer este a hacer ese llamado el Señor a nuestros corazones, ¿verdad? Y, y luego a través de un amigo, un muy buen amigo, este nos dimos cuenta a través de este maravilloso ministerio. La provincia. Somos una familia de ocho personas, tengo seis, seis hijos. Eh, mi esposa usa eh, una frase bien hermosa para los niños y es dice, cuando los niños dicen, eh, mami, ¿nosotros cómo venimos a este lugar? Y ella dice, ustedes no nacieron de nuestra panza, pero nacieron de nuestro corazón. No vengo de un ambiente de, de amor, por decirlo así, de que te amo, que soy bien importante. He tratado y, y con la ayuda de Dios he tratado y sigo tratando eh, e implementar a los niños. Ese amor que yo no recibí, ahora yo lo quiero compartir a ellos. Siempre digo que hay cosas que no, usted no puede comprar con mucho dinero que usted tenga. Y es ver sonreír a los niños, es ver los que le digan te amo, papá, eso no tiene ningún precio. All right. Uh, so that's your introduction to Mario. I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit more about that here in just a second. My name is Jeff Rao. I've had the very wonderful opportunity to be able to participate in four trips to Honduras throughout the years that we've been going down there. Um, 
they've been, you know, life-changing. Uh, something I want to tell, with you, tell to you about who Mario is, um, one thing that I've learned in my life is the need and the power in developing long-term, meaningful, deep relationships with fellow Christians and how important that is in your, in your life. And getting to know Mario, Mario is one of those gentlemen, I, I think I will live the rest of my life and I will never meet anyone so dedicated to the Lord, so dedicated to his family, and what a, an earthly example of what it truly means to be father to the fatherless. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about um, in a lot of these trips that we go down there, it's not about building things. It really isn't. I mean, they don't need us to come down there and build stuff. They really want us to be in a relationship with them and their families. And, and so I'm going to share a little bit about what that is, kind of in a little window on um, two stories with Mario and myself, to kind of give you an example of what I'm really talking about. Um, the first one is when, when you go to La Providencia, like I said, it's not a traditional build. You're not showing up with your, with your gloves and your tools, and you're going to dig a ditch for them and, and bring water to the village and all that type of stuff. It, it truly is relationships. And so I, what I love is going out to La Providencia in the morning, and, and you, you walk around, and you're like, okay, Lord, what do you have in store for me today? Where are you going to show me? Where are you going to use me? And one of these days, on two trips ago, um, I was just walking up the road um, by one of the houses, and I, I see Mario there, and Mario is helping to paint Adisa's, at Adisa's house, his carport. And Adisa was off uh, at his job, and so Mario's just there painting, and as luck would have it, there's extra cans of paint and everything like that. And, and, and so I sat down on kind of the step right where the, the carport was, and I started to paint with Mario. Now, one of the things you learn with, with Mario is Mario's English is about as good as my Spanish. And, um, you know, what we ended up doing is ending up painting together for about two, two and a half hours um, in kind of a charades-style conversation. And, um, you know, I would say something and, and, and try to, you know, and mimic it out and, and, and find, try to find a word in Spanish that I could maybe speak. And then he'd always go, see, sí, see, sí, see, sí, you know. And then, and then he'd say something to me, and I'd go, yes, 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 you know. And we found out later that we really aren't understanding each other at all. And, uh, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because we were building this deep, meaningful relationship, truly without words, but by the actions and the fact that we were wanting to get to know each other. And um, spending that time with him um, and still being able to get a little bit in a uh, conversation together with him was so important. And, you know, if you go into his house today, he will pull you over to his mantle and he will show you the picture of, of you and your family, and he's there praying. If you open my Bible, you'll find a picture of him and his family, knowing that we pray for them as well. And so, we, you know, we build this relationship. And so we came up to, it was, it was two Thanksgivings ago, um, on my last trip there, and uh, we've had the blessing to be able to take all of our kids at different times um, along with us down there. And this trip, I just happened to be with my daughter, Abby. Now, if you don't know me or you don't know my daughter, Abby, Abby was a, an adoptee from China, so she's Chinese. I'm obviously not. And, um, and so we definitely look a little different. But um, so we're, we're, we're there, and, and we're, we're doing these introductions, and I'm introducing Mario to Abby, and, and you know, he, he pulls me aside and with, through an interpreter, luckily this time, so we didn't have to try to play charades with this, but with an interpreter, he pulls me aside and he says, Jeff, how do you tell your daughter, or what do you say to your daughter when she comes to you and says, why didn't my parents want me? It's very personal. And it took me a day or so to be able to respond to him because I knew this was a heavy question. That time in your life where you know that you have gone beyond that, hey, how's the weather kind of day, and you're actually talking to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
about their life. So I got to get away from <laughs> got to get away from that a little bit. But it took me a day or so to be able to get back to him. And when I did, we had this great long conversation, probably 45 minutes, talking about the questions that Abby had asked periodically, what I had been able to share as a father and um, as a fellow adopted father. And then what was really neat to see is Abby coming alongside this daughter of his who is questioning this. And to watch the two of them talk and be able to share those relationships was so important. And so what you can see from this is it's not about building a building. It's not about digging a ditch. It's not about creating something easier for them in their lives. It's about developing these relationships. I pray that we develop these relationships around here, but I pray that you also have this desire to prepare to develop a relationship outside of your comfort zone and outside of your life. Um, you know, we're, we, we have the opportunities. We're going to be talking about an uh, information table. I definitely invite you to, to look into how you may become involved. Um, and, uh, you know, I cherish my relationship. I, I, I really, I long for the day to go back down there. Like I think Liz has said earlier, we'd be on a plane this afternoon. COVID, no COVID, doesn't matter, you know. And uh, so definitely, you know, look, look towards those relationships. Now, Denise, who has been down there for 10, 11, 12 times, cleaning all these kids' teeth hundreds of times and everything like that, she's got some great stories as well, you know, from a different perspective as well. Um, I'm Denise Jacobson, and my relationship with La Providencia started in 2011 when um, I was working at a dental office that we took our team down to, to clean teeth and fix people's teeth at a dental clinic right at La Providencia. They have a medical clinic and a dental clinic. So that was my first experience there. And um, so I got to clean these, all the, these were, the kids were super little then. So we have two and three year olds and it was, um, got to, over the years we just got to know them going down once or twice a year. Our relationships just started from acquaintances to to being to being very special close friends, and um, I just wanted to share a couple of memories Bef <laughs> before the first service. I kind of went off my my um, what I wrote because I I just sometimes I just get very overwhelmed when I see pictures. I've been down there, I think, 13 times. I, I don't know, 13 or 14. And I feel like um, I just have a, a deep yearning to go back and see my friends and see my, my friends that are my brothers and sisters in Christ that, that um, we've gone to church together, we've prayed together, we've been together um, in, in really intimate ways that way. And it's, it's just been super special. And I, um, like Jeff said, I encourage you guys, if anyone gets a chance to do that, to go down, um, it's, it's just amazing. Um, just some of the things that we've done, as, especially the women when we get together, we like to cook. I was, I was saying that, um, that Beatrice taught me how to opened up an avocado because I thought that you had to, you were supposed to be peeling it. This was a long time ago. But actually, when you slice it, take out the, the pit, and then you scoop it out. So we, she made some really good um, hard-earned food, and we had, we had just enjoyed each other, enjoyed each other's company, laughing and talking, talking about kids, talking about marriage, that kind of thing. And then um, with Elsie, she's... She has, now she has eight kids, but she, has, she had six kids then. And four of them were the same age as my son Isaac. And at that time, he, they, he was, they were all 12 years old. So she had four 12-year-olds, and I had one. And so we um, were able to really share advice. And how do you, how do you change with, um, these kids are changing and turning into teenagers and 
and just um, we really just had sweet conversations that way, and just the everyday things like that, um, and and knowing that we pray for each other all the time is is amazing. So I just um, I long for my time for for the ability to get down there again, and just our our love for Jesus and our friendship for forever. So that's kind of my story for down there. And I, there's a ton more stories, but I <laughs> can, can go on. And here's Liz. Hi, I'm Liz. <clears throat> so I have one short story to share with you about my time in Honduras, but then go into now what for the rest of you. So building the relationships that we've talked about are so important. And on the last trip that I went on, um, as a team, we had six people going that time. We got together preparing for the trip, and we were challenged to come up with a word and a Bible verse of how God was challenging our lives and our hearts. So we all came up with a word. My word was grace, and I based it off of John 1.16. In his fullness, he has given us grace upon grace. And so we ended up um, one day taking an afternoon with the ladies and sitting around a kitchen table. We went around the table sharing how, what God had placed on our heart through that word, through the verse. They pull out their Spanish Bibles. They're opening them up based off reference and able to sit there and read the verse. And so then we challenge them. What is God laying on your heart? You know, what, what is he doing for you guys? Do you have a word that you could do? And so they all listed a word and found a verse to go with it. And so then we sat there. We took beads with um, letters on them. We made it beaded bracelets. And so we all had our bracelet with our word on it. And it was just a sweet time to share those memories, to build the relationships, challenge them in their faith with Christ, and um, I didn't share this during first service, but I thought of this. Like, during COVID, we really were praying as a team for our friends in um, Honduras, and we put together a video. Some of you guys have, that went on the trip, I reached out to you, so we had familiar faces, but we wanted to reach out to them, to share with them that we've been praying for them, challenge and encourage them as they're locked on campus, just like we're locked in our homes, that, to show that there's likeness, show that we still have that relationship with them. And so what we are doing here now is bringing you and sharing with you what we have and had for a number of years of our church to family sponsorship. And so what this is, is as a church, we want to help these families. We want to come behind them and support them. And um, so we challenge you to join in that. And it's our prayer that in partnering with La Providencia, that together we would serve as a hope to these children, providing the love, education, medical care, encouragement, and spiritual foundation for these children. And it's so encouraging to see, David stole my joke, but I'm an accountant. And that was on the bad side of jobs, but let me show you how it was good. Um, through being an accountant, I've looked at many financial statements. I've looked at tax returns. And when I, you know, go and get involved with a charitable organization, I actually dig into it a little bit financially, which not all people do. But the one thing I love about La Providencia and the U.S. company that is um, helping oversee them, Horizon, is Horizon does all their own fundraising. So when we are doing this church to family sponsorship, 100% of our money is going to Honduras to these families. Now as an accountant, the other thing I love is as these couples were brought into La Providencia, they got taught how to do a budget. So each month, they submit a budget. They're you know budgeting for clothing, for food, for education for the kids, but they were also taught to plan for the future for their children, setting aside some of their budget, some of their money for future education for these children. They want to see them as future leaders. The dads have jobs outside, so it's not that they're just getting help from us in the U.S. to live this life. They're encouraging the dads to work and show the children, here's what life looks like. Train these kids up so that they will be financially prepared for their life once they're off campus. And doing that both spiritually, financially, through nutrition, through all the different areas. So it's so encouraging. So our challenge here for us is to maybe pray about joining a sponsorship. And the sponsorship doesn't have to be financial. We need people praying for them, praying for their families, praying for their community, their impact in their community where they are living and working. So we have a table out in the foyer 
Those of you who are at home, you can easily email the office and we'll get you this information. And, but we want to talk more about it and share with you as to how to partner with this, how you can go on the next trip with us, and we will introduce you to our friends. Thank you. As you can see, it really touches each of our hearts, and hopefully we can be involved in that as well. Um, let's just take a moment, and we're going to pray for, their, for this ministry. We're going to pray for the families and um, kind of our heart re response to that. Uh, Father God, we truly thank you for this incredible opportunity that you're, allow you're allowing us to be involved with this ministry in Honduras. Lord, we thank you for these families and the children and the school, the clinic and everything, and, and the incredible work that you continue to do in Honduras, even through COVID. Lord, we, we pray for these fathers and mothers who are fathers and mothers to the, to the, to the, to the parentless. And uh, we pray that, that uh, you would allow them to be able to handle the difficult questions, that they would be able to sh continue to shower love, caring, nurturing on these children on a daily basis. Lord, we thank you for the responsibility that you give us, um, for the generosity that you have in us. And uh, we pray for continued financial support for, the, for Honduras, for La Providencia, as well as just that they would always be on our hearts and minds every day. And Lord, through COVID, Lord, we know that they are being wrecked just like our community and our area is being wrecked with this uh, ravaging um, pandemic. Lord, we just pray for safety, for health for these children, for health for the parents. And we just thank you and we praise you, Lord, for who you are, that you remain steadfast through everything. We love you and we praise you. In your name we ask it. Amen. 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 So as we conclude every service, uh, every Sunday the church gathers to sing songs to God's glory, to preach a sermon of who He is, to, to tell stories of life in the body, and, and then to send us back out to our Monday to Saturday. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, you may have gotten a lot of stuff this morning, so I want to pause for 30 seconds, maybe a minute before we leave, and I just want you to press in. If the reason for our holiness is so compelling of who God is, what might be the pattern or expression of your holiness this week, Monday to Saturday? So just pause 30 seconds, whether that might be locally or globally in partnering with HOP or, or maybe a combination of the two. So just pause for one second as we reflect on the pattern of our holiness before we leave this space. Stand with me before we leave, and, and should you feel comfortable, I'd encourage you, stick out your hands in a receiving posture as we leave, and I would love to commission and pray for us as we go, as we live out this pattern of holiness in our day today, Monday to Saturday. God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are, uh, the person, the place, the thing that you've placed on our heart, whether locally or globally, as an expression of our desire to pattern our life after your holiness May we experience that a little bit more fully this week. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.